0: He's goes as the data whisperer. He's been called the Gary V of data, master data influencer, 15K plus followers on LinkedIn, strategic advisor, business evangelist, and inspirational speaker, Scott Taylor. Thank you for joining the podcast, man.
1: Thank you, Zach. I'm done. You've said it all. <laughs> <laughs> the unified namespace
2: is the IIoT version of master data. Master data is the, the, the concepts
1: are almost exactly the same. I start with, yes, it's not just decade, it's decades believe it or not. So before even MDM was a term, I was out there talking about the value of foundational data. Putting data to work, that's when a lot of the dreams that people have, digital transformation, industrial IoT, all these industry 4.0 kinds of notions, they're all gonna come alive only when data is really embraced by an organization. Everything will be
2: smart. And the reason why is because there's value, and little cost to that. That cost is gonna to continue to shrink and the value is gonna to continue to
1: increase. This is where I'm still looking. So I know that the IOT isn't all figured out, right? And so if you look at identification, this is a warning for us all. If you look at identification in the IOT and you spell it out, you get this. <laughs> is okay i thought it that's would be perfect to...
0: man i love it yeah
1: yeah i thought it was a little more fun with you guys you should see what i have to do
0: <laughs> i love the uh all the uh trotsky's and oh
1: that's crazy back there i got all kinds of stuff it's in constant- reminds me of uh
0: gary v's office
1: yeah okay i've been called once only once the gary v of data but i'll take it
0: <laughs>
1: i will take couple. the once <laughs> not by him so uh but I've been, I've, I mean, been okay, the,
0: uh, I've been called the Casey Neistat of of industry.
1: <laughs> oh, okay.
0: <laughs> oh, OK. So let me just intro. Are you are you guys ready?
1: Let me give me a sec here. I think I got I, I can barely hear you. Um, let me try some other speakers. You want to talk now? Can you hear me now? Yeah, that's better. Is that good? Does that interfere at all with you guys or?
0: No, we're good. You got it in Walker?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna switch
2: uh, microphones to my AirPods. Hold on. Okay, sweet. All right, can you hear me?
0: I can hear you. All
2: right, great. Let me uh, make sure I'm using, just let me know which mic sounds better, right? My truth hand, okay. Uh, is it th- this one sound better?
0: Um, that one sounds more like a phone call. The other one sounded better.
2: All right, so this one sounds better. Yeah. Excellent. All right, we'll use so we'll use that mic and we'll keep these
1: AirPods in. And I sound okay. I'll mic. All right. Whatever you need from me, is good. Sound good. Oh, you. Right. You sound awesome. Oh, good.
2: Zach
1: right, sounds. Well. Ter- Zach sounds terrific. Well, he should. He's, He's got the best equipment, despite some of his. <laughs> He's ready for that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the point was when you're ready, that's when you should get it, not first.
0: All right, well let me, like let, your, let me give. A... Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. I... You're gonna say his uh, his background looks pretty sick, huh?
2: Yeah, I did. I dig the uh shop, Scott. That looks you like awesome. that back there? That's, I do. That, that's actually
1: the work side. Over there is like more like the tool side <laughs> fixing things. So this nice. is my combination office and studio this is where I make money. This is where I fix stuff over there. So it's- nice. All
0: right. Well, let me give uh, Scott a proper introduction. Scott, uh, Scott Taylor. Thank you guys. Uh, thank you so much for joining the IntelliG podcast. Uh, he's goes as the data whisperer. He's been called the Gary V of data master data influencer, 15 K plus followers on LinkedIn, strategic advisor, business evangelist, data brand builder, master data storyteller. An inspirational speaker, Scott Taylor. Thank you for joining the podcast, man.
1: Thank you, Zach. I'm done. You've said it all. Said <laughs> said it. I'm quitting while I'm ahead here. That was beautiful. Right. Well. Well. Well done, Zach.
0: So I just I just read that off his LinkedIn profile, uh-huh. which we will link down below. But anyways, I wanted to. Um, I think anyone who doesn't know what master data is, what they should probably do is just stop. I'll link one of your "What Is Master Data" videos in the description below. So then they kind of have a detailed understanding of or basic understanding of what master data is and how it can kind of relate to what our message is at IntelliC with unified namespace, IOT, digital transformation. It's very closely related. And so I'm really excited about this podcast and that we could all do it together, so.
1: There's all kinds of, oh, sorry, Walker, go ahead.
2: No, no, you're you're, you're unified, I I just want to, unified namespace is the IIOT version of master data. Master data is the is the their 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 concept the, the concepts are almost exactly the same. You know, that the single source of truth, you know, master we called it master data. We actually we still do call it master data, but the Good. the term the term master data came from that that original concept that we would have a single source of truth for all of our enterprise data. That, well Scott
0: actually wrote the Wikipedia entry for master data. So he really has, you know, taken the term to market. <laughs>
1: And, it, and it's been untouched for eight years, so don't you guys mess with it, okay, it's fine. <laughs> okay? Yeah, by itself. So, so Scott, one of the things that you said, like in
2: our when we were in our LinkedIn chat, you were saying that, or I, maybe it was in a comment in one of the posts, you were saying that. Listen, you know, this is a message that I've been that I've been trying to get out there for a decade or more, right? Um, do you do you want to talk a little bit about like that journey? Like what is it you've been doing? Where where is your space in the market, and and some of the trials and tribulations you've faced trying to get out that message, the value of you know the single source of truth or master data.
1: Uh, absolutely, and I, w- I want to come back to the unified namespace piece because I'd like to tease that apart a little bit and see how where they're aligned. And I think there's some differences there, but we'll take that in a little bit. So I start with, yes, it's not just decade, it's decades, believe it or not. So before even MDM was a term, I was out there talking about the value of foundational data, the core data of any kind of company or enterprise. I'm very fond of positioning it as it is the most important data. So master data is the most important data any organization has and the logic goes, it's about the things, the nouns of a business. So if you think about customers, vendors, partners, prospects, products, services, things in the I I O T. the last T is things, right? So all those things, the tracking of those, the coding of them, the basic content and data about all of that stuff that's master data for an organization
2: and what's the when when you had spoken to you said hey listen you know this is something i've been talking about the value of for decades um what are some of the challenges when you're making the value proposition for the need to have master data you know um what are what what is the value proposition and then Conversely, what are the objections to investing
1: in, um, in tools that allow you to manage your master data? Sure. A great question. And, and that kind of takes me to the journey part too. You did ask me, okay, what about the journey? I started off in the data business at a company that's now part of Nielsen. Nielsen, a lot of people know from the TV side, but they've got a lot of different databases. And I actually kind of consider Nielsen the world's largest counter of stuff. So if you think about basic syndicated data, something like a Nielsen will count the number of people who watch a TV show. So there's a lot of things in that statement that have been counted and tracked, and the data about that's been mastered. I started on the retail side, where we had basically a fancy list of all the supermarkets, and I learned a lot from my customers going in and trying to sell this list, just as a static list wasn't very exciting. But what was happening in the space at the time I entered it were things like SAP, ERP systems were just coming in. Big enterprise systems were just coming in. So people had to start to deal with data about customers, vendors, partners, products, partners, that whole sort of thing, in ways that they hadn't before. And so it opened up a lot of eyes. And again, this is a while ago around, okay, we got to do something with data. Then it went to the IT side. And that's kind of where a lot of the challenges that we face today began, whether it was me or the industry, because data has always defaulted to the area of IT, information technology, CIO, the I stand for information. Yet it was more of a technology department than it was an actual data department. And today people are beginning to realize that. So I went from kind of selling data, trying to figure out what it was, to learning about the space from my customers who were using this data in some really interesting ways, figured out the stuff that could be shared with other customers, other prospects, other markets, and began to expand. In this case, this Nielsen business grew over 10 times. And I called it the love child of Nielsen because it wasn't really bought to be, to, to, to grow like that. It just kind of came out of our own initiative and our own kind of, diving into the space and trying to convince people of this new kind of data. And um, a lot of the challenges along the way are one, does IT really understand that this data that they tend to have to make themselves could be bought by some from somebody else? And most importantly, and this is number one on the list as we look across the landscape at this very moment, does the business side understand? Do they recognize the value? Do they realize that data is something they need to invest in just like they invest in sales, in finance, in operations, in marketing. All those things are basic piece parts of the body of a company and data is the lifeblood that makes it all work.
0: I love that analogy.
1: There's a ton of analogies in the data business and Unfortunately, I think too, that's a lot of the challenge of today. Everybody's fighting for the poetry. It's like, it's the new oil, it's the new electricity, it's currency, it's black, it's bacon, it's tofu. All that poetry is kind of nice, but if you think about the reason people are doing that is to explain it. So if we can get to a point in the market where people don't have to explain it so much and start to put that data to work, that's my slogan. You can probably see that back there, my little sign, putting data to work that's when a lot of the dreams that people have, digital transformation, industrial IoT, all these industry 4.0 kinds of notions, they're all gonna come alive only when data is really embraced by an organization.
2: Mm-hmm. Right, and we say this all the time, that it's when, when you know, organizations have lots and lots and lots and lots of data, right? But it's meaningless until that data is translated into, into information. Right. They need information to make decisions. Right? Jim
0: Gavigan, uh, his company, Industrial Insight, I just wanted to shout him out. His, his tagline is turn data into insight.
1: Sure. Yeah, and you know, uh, yep. but my part of my feeling on that too is though, the data has value of itself. So I've always been a data guy. And one of my trials and tribulations is sort of like making sure people understand, especially when they sell software a lot, that data is the is the thing that makes it go. So I think about And to your point, Walker, yes, it has to be put into play. It has to be converted into some kind of uh, insight that will move business forward, that will help somebody make a decision, that will get something from here to there faster or create something nobody ever thought of before. But when we think about kind of teasing apart data versus information, I think of it as, again, analogies here. A lot of people say, "Oh, I only want the information, but I don't care about the data." That's like saying, "I only right. want bread and I don't care about the flour." It has to be part of the conversation, right? right. Well, it, but and here, here's the other thing:
2: flour has a lot more uses than just making bread, mm-hmm. right? And and date and so does data. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we talk about all the time that the value of machine learning and AI is not the the the, the true value in machine learning is that machine learning is all about um, finding patterns in data, learning patterns in data. The that the true strength of machine learning is not in replacing human beings. It is in doing what human beings cannot do. Mm-hmm. That is m- machine learning programs can see relationships and data that our naked eye can't see. So, you know, yet right now we use flour to make bread. Tomorrow we're going to use flour um, to make better flour, right? Um, to uh, and to help us make flour that, will, that can make products other than bread, better flour. And that's what machine learning and AI is. At, at the end of the day, to your point, I think we are very focused on the value of information, converting data into information. Information is used to make decisions. Data is not used to make decisions uh, directly uh, very often, the information is. But, and I think you're exactly right, a lot of companies don't see the value in the data. That's why they're very, selective about the data that they store and manage they don't organizations don't think that um all of the data in my organization is important they only they they're always focused on very select pieces of data as opposed to storing all data over the course of time Um, it it it, you know it's like um
0: because you can't make assumptions about how the data is going to be consumed
2: exactly can't make assumptions about how the data will be consumed. And you also can't make assumptions based on only what you know today.
1: Sure. Sure. A lot Um, of the data that I focus on, again, this master data, that is the data that kind of stays over time because it's about what all that other stuff is about, if you will. So if you look at transactions, if you look at some sort of reporting from a sensor, if you look at some sort of Time-stamped event, do you keep that forever? Maybe, maybe not, just to your point. However, the things that are tracking, the relationships you have as a business, the products you make, the way you source those products and the ingredients that might go into them, those all, the data about all that stuff is the master data of an organization. And the way I like to think about it is, if you think about a really fancy data visualization technique, let's call it a table, all right? (laughs) people are really good at columns, but they're not good at rows. And master data is kind of the row part of the business. It's what all those other columns of data are about. And the rows get people, or the, the, the columns get people excited, right? Um, that's what, that's the insight. That's the uh, analysis. That's some sort of metric. But what are those things about? They're about the rows. So I kind of think of this rows and columns thing as a really way to get to Again, the folks who have nowhere near the kind of time we do to understand it, but they tend to have a lot of the funding to make these things work.
2: Well, let me ask you this: You know, you you had mentioned Nielsen is where you you cut your teeth, right? I, I I'm a, and and so are you? Are you? Do you specialize in consumer data, or or do you specialize in all data? And 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 who are the people who are hiring you to? To, to be the whisperer uh, for their data?
1: Sure, perfect question. And, and starting at the end part, so I call myself the data whisperer, I kind of help calm data down, but I'm much more the strategic why than I am the technical how, so I don't get into the truly the physical side of it, but I bridge this gap between the tech side, who knows how to get it done, and the business side who's in a lot of cases struggling to understand why. So Absolutely. I think yeah. we're all data whispers. Anybody in the data management space is hereby a data whisperer. If you can calm data down, if you can get it into a, a format, into a condition that your business can put it to work, then you are officially a data whisperer. Um, but to in terms of what I specialize in, it's really a horizontal foundational place. So I was at Nielsen. I was on the retail side. I then moved to an innovation group uh, picked by the CEO because I had this vision and this ability to see this foundational data, which was really kind of the nugget or the, the, the horizontal piece that held everything up, the, the row, if you will, across all the columns. And I began to look at a bunch of other different data sources at Nielsen. I looked at their ad tracking data, I looked at their consumer data, I looked at their TV tracking data and saw a common theme that the structure of the stuff they were tracking was all pretty similar. And that was master data. So that foundational common data that is shared across all these different systems and processes and workflows. Then I went to, uh, um, I spent some time at, at Dun & Bradstreet, which is a big supplier of company data. They've got a giant list of companies. And mm-hmm. it's obviously- Including, including, huh? including mine. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, you, I, you gotta have a Dun's number. Right? So everybody's gotta have this it's unique mine. code on their company. Yep. And- there, I helped them actually position what they did more effectively around their master data practice. They didn't even call it master data. It wasn't even on the name master data. wasn't even on the website. It was kind of a crazy strategic psychosis at that place because it really didn't truly grok a core of what it did. They had a lot of activity around other parts of the business that were very much more apparent if you will but this foundational piece again it's in the it's on the it's on the bottom okay um, so what I saw was any data about companies about brands about locations about media properties about tangible products if you will all that stuff comes from a master data or a master file and that's my focus talking about that core foundational data. I actually don't get into consumer data because people data, there's a lot of people in people data, if you will. So there's a lot of audience targeting. There's a lot of consumer outreach. All that stuff has got a ton of experts. There's GDPR, which is causing you know all kinds of new uh, restrictions. So I kind of stay out of the people data space, but people go to places, they buy products, they watch media, they consume items and services, businesses sell to them, businesses sell to those businesses, who sell to those businesses, who sell to those businesses. So all that stuff in the kind of business interaction space is fueled by this master data, and that's my sweet spot. That's the part that I, that's my favorite kind of data. Again, the most important data, and I suggest to anybody out there, their business doesn't run without it.
0: I have a question. Is master data unique to one enterprise, or is master data master data across the universe? It,
1: it it can be either. Now the the closer people to get to being at one data or sharing the same data, the more efficient they can be. But it starts. I'll give you two examples of of both, or one example of each of those things you just asked about, Zach. So most enterprises, most companies might have a customer file, yeah, or a product close,
0: file closed down. I'm sorry. Like yeah. within their company they don't share. Right, that. within
1: their company they've got, you know, if they're a manufacturer and they make stuff in a factory, they've got a product file and a piece a part file and um they may have uh different records for each of their machines across their factory floor, that sort of thing. That's proprietary to them and they kind of keep that to themselves. It's hard to imagine a lot of ways that that data could be shared. You know, here's my widget maker X, Y, Z on this factory floor, 12. The only person who'd want to know about that probably is their competitor. So it's not really like data, it's very internal data. Then you have something like, uh, well, this, there's UPC. So that's, all right, can I still hold up there? So that's master data that's used across an entire market. So uh-huh. every store in every place with every product all those products, when you bring them up to a cash register and you just put it across there, it goes beep. That little beep only happens because everybody's sharing the same master data, which in this case is a product reference file, universal product code. It's run by a, an association called GS1. It's an industry standard, but there's more to it than just the number. There's, this is owned by Nestle, this is water, this is this brand, that sort of thing. So. My belief is the more parties that can share the same data, especially at this level, the better things are gonna happen. The more you can put data to work.
0: It's the shared neocortex. So, this is the cloud.
1: It's, so, yes, the clouds kind of where you could put it, but it isn't always in the cloud, right? So there's a, some people share it. You know, the, the UPC has been around a lot longer than the cloud, if you will. Cloud just enables that ability
0: Right. I guess we never dreamed. Of. I'm talking. I guess. Um, well, one, I didn't know that about the UPC. I did not know that was universal across all products. But more so, like um, you know, this digital transformation is basically we're uploading all this info. You know, the cloud is just you know sub- servers in a Amazon warehouse. But but really, it's more like this tertiary layer of connectedness between humans, and it's it's not necessarily like the the actual um, neurons, it's the links between those neurons and those connections that we can make and extract more efficiency and value as a society.
1: Sure. And the the (laughs) thoughts through those neurons, right? The sparks, whatever you want to call it, continue with that poetry, which is wonderful. That's the data. So cloud is kind of a place. It's got pipes. You can put content in there, but something's got to go in there. Right. So this is this is
2: what I so this is what I would argue, right? Sure. Um, long term, I, I do not see a scenario where businesses are going to own their, where they're going to actually own and store their own data long term. It's not going to happen, and here's why: basic economics. Okay, um, software as a service is is becoming a predominant force in the market. In manufacturing, if you purchase, let, let's say you you purchase your ERP system on a SaaS model, you're going to pay. A, that is, I'm going to pay a monthly fee to a web service for my ERP, which is going to, you know, they're going to they're going to um, they're going to they're going to isolate my data from everyone else's data, but that data is still going to be in the same data center. It's still going to be managed by the same company, software company. So let's say I, I purchase SAP B1 on the SaaS model, right? My data is in the same data center as every other organization who's on the same subscription model. Okay. I I I'll never be able to argue that I shouldn't spend four hundred dollars a month for SAP B1 um, over spending two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year on SAP. I'll never be able to make that argument. And, th- and those are real numbers, by the way. Right. So you Similar
0: goes at- true per- with Slack or Salesforce okay. or like some of those other- of
2: course, Why would I use Microsoft Teams uh, on-prem? So why would I use Microsoft te- Teams on-prem? That is, everyone has installed special software. We don't use the cloud-based Office 365 model. No one buys Microsoft Office off the shelf anymore. Everyone pays. 10 12 15 dollars a month for office 365 whether you're using business or whether you're using personal and it's because it's pure it's basic economics okay Okay. so the i the idea that organizations who will stay in business that is these are people who are still operating are going to be paying 10 20 30 and 40 x simply for the the ability to hoard their own data privately is absurd. It it just it, I don't believe long term there's no example in 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 industrial history of that ever that reality ever playing out. Organizations who pay 10, 20, 30, 40x for anything go out of business. Okay? Sure. So basic economics is everyone's going to be using SaaS modeling. That means their data, all their data across whether you're using Aviva online, right? So whether we're using Wonderware online, whether we're using SAP B1, whether we're using Amazon Web Services for our virtual machines, whether we're using Batchmaster or Epicor or any of the SaaS model, that data is finding its way up into the cloud. So I right now, a lot of organizations still want that data, that plant data in the plant because they see it as intellectual property and trade secrets and all that kind of stuff. In my experience, it really isn't. I mean, even the competitor doesn't know what to do with, unless they've got the analyst who, who's looking at the data with, with the data, the competitor doesn't know what to do with it. They need, they need, the, they need the analyst and the data in order for to be able to convert that data into a competitive advantage against their competitor. So what I believe is gonna happen long-term is I do believe that in industry, we're gonna be operating from shared, shared data. I, I, I don't know when, what that timeline looks like, but I, 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 it's gonna happen initially in a limited capacity, but then it's gonna move, it's gonna go very wide and we're gonna see wide adoption of, you know what, all the objections I used to have of putting my, what we see as proprietary data in the cloud, those are gonna evaporate, especially as millennials come in and millennials are the ones who are ultimately making the decisions. When the, when the millennials make those strategic decisions, there, there's not going to be a single millennial who objects. E- either there's not going to be a single millennial who is a lawyer, a general counsel for an organization who says that data's got to stay inside the business. There, they'll not a single one is going to object because their entire lives has been centered around putting everything up into the what did you call it the ne- the the neocortex or shared, whatever
0: shared neocortex, the tertiary yeah, layer, the shared
2: neocortex. It's their so, and so Scott, what I wanted to,
1: and I'll I'll let you. I don't think we're disagreeing about, about anything. I think we're talking about two different things, actually. So, I was, I was, yeah, gonna say, I'm, I'm
0: you're excited talking about where he got on this.
1: So my feeling what
0: is, I,
2: go ahead. Well, what I wanted to, what I wanted to, I wanted to kind of segue that statement into a question okay, cool. for you, which is the um, master data, I, what I, the part that I keep having my trouble wrapping my brain around is once that eventuality happens, that is all the data is going to start being moved up. How do you reconcile all of these various master data models into a new master data layer? Like that's the whole thing. The, the, the thing that I continue to have trouble with is master data is not a thing. It's a concept. Well, it's not, it's a thing and a concept right? How, uh, there are so many master data models out there. you know, SAP has got a structure for master data, and then you have some flexibility on how you want to build out that master data, the ERP system. How is it we're going to reconcile all these
1: various master data models into a unified master data model? So when you say model, just so I'm clear on what you mean by model, so you're talking like so SAPs, software, Informatica, IBM, are you thinking of those? The ERD,
2: no, like the, 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 enterprise, the relational diagram. How are we going to reconcile the structure that SAP does? And I know that you're not the nuts and bolts technical right. guy, but there has to be a, you know, you're you're the conveyor of the message. Mm, and right. so there has to be people like you have already have to be thinking about this. How do I reconcile this master data with this master data so I I can put them together and end up with one unified master data that incorporates
1: all the elements of both. Yeah, people do that today when they do that within their own enterprise. So if we're thinking, okay, everybody at some point is all gonna be on a single system and have the same data, I'd say that ain't gonna happen. So, because there's too many variances And there's too many different business reasons not to do that so a bank that has its own customer list of of banking customers isn't going to share the activity about that with anybody else right now the name my if i'm in one bank and i got a credit card somewhere else there are people who connect those things together at different levels if i'm doing something for a brand and I'm a retailer and I'm doing something for a media, I'm a media property and I'm running an ad for that same brand. Yeah. You want those to connect, right? Cause those are commercial entities, if you will. So parts of that, I think should connect. It's just a challenge to get everybody to agree for it to connect for all the different reasons that it needs to. So even that example of a retailer dealing with a brand and a, media property dealing with a brand, let's say that is selling a bottle of Coca-Cola and let's see that TV station or that internet site is running an ad for Coca-Cola. There are shared standards in the industry, somewhat ge- geographically limited. So let's just say the United States, for instance. There are shared standards for the item code for Coca-Cola that all retailers use, that's the UPC. There are shared standards for all the Coca-Cola Creative, that's run through media, that's called Ad ID. Those are two industry standards that are hardwired into the workflows of each part of the, of the Coca-Cola life cycle, if you will. Those don't need to come together as one. They need to be cross-referenced, but they don't need to come up with, let's have a standard that covers all retail and all media. It's like stuff is already trying to move we need to let those standards stay as they are and you need to share across them and connect them, which is where I think, and you brought this notion up a master data layer. Yes. If there was a master data layer across, first of all, across enterprises, that's what some of these systems are trying to do. Single source of truth, common source of truth, whatever you want to call it. Truth right in here, the hats on purpose. Um, the, uh, uh, you know, people are trying to get there. Are there shared standards across businesses? Yes. Those are called industry standards or de facto standards. Are there shared standards across geographies? Yes, there are. The UN and ISO create standards for, let's say, geographies, countries, and so on. So, that master data layer needs to incorporate as many of those standards as possible. And one thing I tell people all the time is, look, if there's a standard for a type of activity that you've got going across your enterprise, go get it and lean into it because the last thing you need to do is come up with a new type of data, okay? Um, but the idea that everybody would be working off a single set of data, I just don't think we will get there because we're not going to have a single operating system. We're not going to have a single um, type of business. We're not going to have a single type of relationship. We already know people like to do what they want to do in businesses, and so the technology has to accommodate that. Let me and pose a concept. It. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Let, let
2: me let me pose a concept to you. Sure. Okay? And then get and then I'd like your feedback from it. So yeah, did that make sense, dude? Are, did I cover that okay? Or you guys are not there? Totally, totally right. makes sense. And right. so this question is the the natural the next step. Okay. All right. So we, we have a CRM, we have our our um, a customer relation management software, right? Right. So we use Zoho, okay? And Zoho um, is, um, we have, I think, like maybe 600 customers and contact information. Of the 600 that are in our CRMs, 96 of those are active. So we have our internal activity for 96 of those accounts all of that data all of the the master data for our business which is what our CRM really is is that's in the cloud Zoho the company Zoho has that in their own database and I'm not under the I've read their terms of services and I'm not under the illusion that they don't use that data for other things so for example Zoho has information about all the companies in the United or that that are their users who are sharing common customers. So Zoho has that information. They know whether me and four of my competitors all have the same client, right? Here's where things, and and so what I, I, on one level I'm trying to understand how that data will
1: be used, because Zoho would be crazy not to use that data. But I bet they don't. So if they haven't, if you haven't opt in on it, I don't think they pool that together. Sure, but but at some point, The Zoho or their competitors will learn how to monetize that. Oh, there's absolutely opportunities. I mean, just really quickly, you have a whole bunch of companies and they're all doing different things or they're doing the same thing in their different markets. You can immediately get share activity, um, all kinds of indicators of different types of activity if you pooled it all together. The point is people have to, the owner of that data, which is you, you own your customer list, has to agree to that. But that's what Nielsen does. When they track products, they get data from all these different retailers, they pool it together, and so the manufacturer who works across all the retailers can then understand what's my market share. That was way before any clouds came along, right? That was way before enterprise systems. They were actually doing that originally on paper. So the notion of that being able to be transformed electronically, stored in the cloud, accessible everywhere, that keeps going, that makes it more valuable, but the data itself remains remarkably the same.
0: Right. I will say, about- uh, just as an interjection, um, I think kind of like what this topic is or a use case of this, it largely leads into like the blockchain kind of discussion, the shared public ledger. Perfect application would be uh, health record information. I want to be able to go to health provider A, B, or C, the like Kaiser, Blue Cross, and I want all my data to be able to be shared across all of those different providers if i right. you know give them access and blockchain shared public ledger is the only you know mastered it's a master data right? right you
1: could still do i mean if i called up all my insurance companies today they would figure me out if i gave them my social security number right that works as an id a common id across different data sets manually sometimes uh it's you know toxic data when you think of it being personal but you know if you call your dental insurance company, they're going to ask you for, you know, last four digits of your social. And that allows them to open up your record. But, so but
0: currently they're all siloed,
1: right? Yeah. Every, everything, pretty much everything is siloed. People are siloed within their organization and then they're siloed with in their company versus other parts of their value chain. And then markets are siloed and industries are siloed. They're all vertical, vertical, vertical. So I play across the horizontal, right? That's where the value is. It's like the horizontal value.
2: Across so, So let me, so let me finish that one point, because I want to, I want to throw the monkey wrench in. Throw it in there. I'm I'm, Okay. So the notion had been in order for us to eliminate siloing, okay, what we would have to do is opt in to combining all of that data, right? Then the data would no longer be siloed, right? You would have to opt in and we'd have to reconcile all the master data and then we'd all be operating off of this one master data list. The one thing that we never took into consideration is the fact that artificial intelligence would be able to derive the relationships between all the siloed data without us knowing it. Now, there's a company out there called Seamless.ai. If you follow us, you'll know that Seamless is a, co- Do you, are you familiar with Seamless.ai? Yeah, yeah, That's a, is it the sales? It's a sales guy, okay, so Brandon yeah. Born-Anson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
1: see. He, yeah, does he ever
2: sleep, that guy? He never sleeps.
1: (laughs) 5 a.m. and I'm driving on Christmas morning to work and you know, the guy's an an animal. So here's
2: basically what Seamless does. Okay, Seamless basically does uh, one thing and one thing only. Seamless trolls the internet for information. Pulls all that information into one place and then it runs algorithms against that, well, data. They go, pulls this data, runs algorithms, runs uses machine learning and AI to look for patterns in the data. And then once the patterns have been established by machine learning, AI spits out um, knowledge, okay? And and so let's, for example, I go to seamless.ai and I say, I am looking for every single chief of technology CTO in the Northeast or in the United States who works in food and beverage and I need all of their contact information. Seamless.ai doesn't go to their own database to get that information. What Seamless does is Seamless goes and gets that, derives it from the internet and, and other mechanisms, okay? Mm-hmm. So what's ultimately gonna be able to, and and, and and so that's not, master. they're not drawing that off master data. They are they're, creating-
1: they're, What they're doing actually is they're scraping master data from somebody else. And there's a lot- that business there's a ton of of companies in that space right tons of companies in that space who do that kind of thing which is really valuable but i come from a perspective of okay it was master data somewhere if you're looking for food and beverage okay it had to know that's the coca cola company that's pepsi that's nestle that's um starbucks that existed somewhere that ai and that machine needs to be taught starbucks is food and beverage right food and beverage is a category and you want it in the US, it needs to know the, the the location, the geography, and you find a person and a company that's got an ID underneath it. All that structure, which actually I'm leading up into something that I, that I promote a lot, this idea of the four C's, and to your other point about SAP and it connecting all that stuff, for it to be master data, you need a code on it, a unique identifier, you need a company, some sort of parent-child relationship, a hierarchy, you need a category because you got to know what kind of thing it is and you need just because they all start with c you need country or some form of geography and those sort of four horsemen there i know where something is i know what kind it is i know who owns it and i know it's unique you put that on data and seamless is able to capitalize on somebody else's work doing that and doing some really cool stuff with it but if that data wasn't structured the way it was, that machine would never find it. That's kind of my feeling. And there's other companies out there, Discover Org is out there with doing something similar, but they've got a couple hundred people also doing the editorial side because it's a people-oriented business in a lot of ways. And you need folks to teach those machines, right? So machine learning starts off training data, that's how you start it, right? It doesn't learn from itself yet, You got to teach it. This is Coca Cola. This is a beverage. This person has this title. Whatever those things are, you got to feed it something. And it can get better, obviously, but it's got to start. It's not chicken or egg here. It's egg and omelet. You got to start with the egg. You got to start with the truth before you derive any meaning out of it, if you will. Well, doesn't it follow, though? Doesn't it follow
2: then if if seamless.ai and their contemporaries can scrape? The the internet for important data and create new master data out of the results, right, mm-hmm. or expand on master data with the results. Doesn't it follow that there will also be There was going to be ML and AI on top of the seamlesses and their contemporaries that will then scrape them and create and generate new sets of master data. And, and I guess what I'm ultimately getting at is, is we live right now in a time where the master data that I own in my business is, is, um, is uh, my edge in the market, right? It, the, that it's my trade secret. It's my intellectual property. But doesn't it follow that at some point that, in, that data, that master data is not something I'll ever be able to protect and therefore my value in the market is going to be more about what I do with data? rather than my ability to protect it. I so, mean, th- this is the thing that I constantly think about, that at some point, AI and machine learning is going to become so powerful that it's and, and we're going to be so open that it's not possible
1: to protect the data and that my value in the market is going to be solely based on what I do with it.
0: Well, interesting. It, it, it,
1: should, it should always. So, you know, the, the master data, while it's the most important data, I don't think it's something that people need to protect as much because it's about the, the columns are what's important, right? What you sold that customer, what, you, what that customer told you about you, right? Sentiment about that. Um, your sales territories, your margin on that product. Those are all very internal things, but the product, the customer, that part, that listing, again, I, I explained to my family, it's just a big old fancy list. Yes, that should be shared as much as possible. That's what standards do. I have built my career on convincing enterprises to stop making their own master data as much as possible because where I get hired is from people who license this data. Nielsen, D&B, consulted for a bunch of data companies to help them position this core data that they've got in a different way. Because the people, they can sell it to people who are not in the data business. So yes, I agree with you completely, Walker, that at some point, people have to start letting go of the need to have that master data. Again, use a standard if you can. Use a a company, Open Corporates. They're out there as a trust. They're not even a commercial company the way we think of a commercial company. They're owned by this trust, and their mission is to open up corporate entity data that they feel folks in some cases like a DNB or some of these other providers have been around forever tracking companies basic company information they think that that should be part of how business operates and it and they're out there collecting all this open data, integrating it and providing it they license it but they also feel like anybody should be able to look up anything whenever they want to. And they're out there with a very different mission to try and do, I think, something that you've, you've already touched on. Can you build a master data layer across a certain uh, domain, if you will?
0: Sorry. Okay. okay, so I just wanted to say, I really like this conversation and uh, it gets me really excited. We almost crossed the event horizon there for a second. I, so okay. we kind of pulled it back out of the, the depths of the black hole. <laughs> before anyone's mind exploded, yeah, but
1: running out of running out of tape here.
0: No, no, no. We're we good to keep going. Okay. So oh, this
1: is great. Well, awesome.
0: You talked about the four C's, the code right. company category and country, but really those four C's are part of a structure, which is one of the five columns of master data, which is value, structure, connectivity, coverage, and quality. Do you want to talk you're doing like right. maybe, you're doing
1: great do
0: you want to highlight maybe one of your, like which one of those five stands out to you the most?
1: The thing is, I mean, I did a lot of work. I appreciate your are your, you're, you your finding those here. Yes. And the four C's are part of that structure, right? So I, they are all equally important. You need to understand the data value. You need to have structure on it. It needs to be connectable to other systems. Walker, just as you're saying, the more things that can connect to the better. I mean, again, I don't right. want to sound in any way that I'm thinking the world should not connect. It should connect as much as possible. Um, It's gotta have coverage and it's gotta have value. The thing that, or it's gotta have quality. And the thing actually that stands out for me is I try to get people to not emphasize the quality part so much because it's the most emotional subjective thing out of those five. And everybody starts with quality. So, and quality can be, again, anybody has got an opinion on quality. Everybody doesn't have an opinion on, does this cover my whole business? Or is it in this geography? or do we have a standard structure for reporting off of this data? So those things tend to be a lot more objective. And so add quality later. So what stands out for me really is sort of quality, but for the opposite reason, which is, you know, I go and I try and counsel people on how they're going to sell this stuff in, in their organization. Their CEO, there's not a CEO out there who thinks that they should have better data quality. That's not something that they're thinking about. They think people should take care of that. And when you go up to them and you say, you know, we don't have good data quality. You sound just like I do. You sound like you're whining. It's like people have to. uh, So for me, if I had a minute with a CEO and I'm trying to pitch him this thing, I wouldn't whine about data quality. I go, you know what? We don't have a common definition and a common structure for our customer data. And you just wrote in the annual report that we want to be better partners with our customer base, that we want to have customer 360. That's what our head of marketing is talking about. And we don't have the data to back it up. Actually, we don't have the data structure to back it up. And that's what I want to work on, boss. That sounds different to me, more strategic, more long term, more foundational than our data quality sucks, right? I mean, just playing the extremes on purpose, but we got to change the conversation in the market is kind of part of my also tirade here. Cause the words people use are important. And I think a lot of the marketing in the space is just fluff and confusing and we got to get back to those basic foundational things.
0: Walker, you were going to say something.
1: Um, well, what I was
2: going to say, well, he actually an- he answered the question when he was talking about um, uh, what I was I was going to ask him, what is you know where is master data going? But he had already explained that prior to this answer. You you know, I, that is.
1: I actually think, in more formal sense, I think the whole sort of master meta reference data integration layer needs to change. The nature of it needs to change. It is built on Mm -hmm. old data technology. I don't mean software, I mean data structures. It's built in very cumbersome ways. Some of the things you're talking about, Walker, about people being able to move this data around is really, really difficult. The software's going like crazy, the, the hardware's going like crazy, but it's like we need to go from this legacy data structure of kind of siloed standards, of legacy providers have been doing it for a hundred years and haven't really changed their data structure since these some of these things were introduced in a really different way. And Actually, the data models out there, the data business models, need to change so people can. You talked about software as a service. Why should anybody license their own full file and keep it resident? Why can't they have that data as a
0: service? Data why as a service. They have master
1: yeah. data as a service. Why can't they have MDAS? Okay, master data as a service mm-hmm. that would allow them to pull the pieces, Walker, that you were just talking about. Those sixty clients, those six hundred clients you have. Do you need to maintain? that data yourself have an admin do it no so what what, from a trusted provider what i was getting at with the seamless.ai piece is
2: (laughs) i i have 96 clients that when we want to get information about a particular client we go to zoho for it okay when i do but the the types of things that i would be interested in knowing are when we go to seamless and we run a request for a certain cross section of I'm I'm looking for chief technical officers or directors of technology in this vertical, in this geographical area. I don't want that report to just spit out what Seamless has to say. I want that to be a combination of the data that I own and the data that I grab publicly. And I want to be I don't and I don't want to have to put them side by side and juxtapose them. I want the report to spit out um, from two completely different master data models um, information that I can use to run my business. And so at the end of the day, it is going to be some type of, you know, it's like machine learning and AI that creates this virtual master data layer that is a combination of perhaps static enterprise master data and this virtualized master data that like seamless.ai creates and then I have a new layer of master data that I can then draw off from and then just it evaporates when I'm done think of it as temporary master data that's a con- a combination of multiple data formats at the I end feel of like the you're day talking
1: more about a report or an insight than the actual master data itself
2: well and I but like all the,
1: that is like great cool I hope they get it done I'm more around just the idea that people are even talking about master data when they don't, or think that AI by itself solves everything, or think in a lot of cases, we bought a tool that should solve the problem. And every tool demos really well, because the data in the demo is perfect, right? So your Zoho, hey, is a great little tool and I do this report and it's all perfect. Then you get it, you got to fill it with your stuff, right? So I hope it all gets better. I, I, it, it should get better as people share more, as the technology gets better, but it's also about things that people create, businesses create, and so that creation, the closer you can get to the actual creation of whatever thing you're, 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 you've got data on, the better, right? So if I create a new product, I can key it in. Somebody's got to key it in at some point. At some point, somebody's got to go, okay, this is a tangible thing and it has to get turned into data. The fewer times that gets done and the more places it gets shared, the better for everybody. And whatever they want to point at it, if machine learning can fix that, help that, cool. If AI does, great. But there's a lot of intricacy and kind of nuance in it and this magic report you're talking about that's got you know, your CRM data over here and a bunch of other cool stuff, there's gotta be a match, right? Somebody's gotta do a match. Some machine has to do a match. Is this John Smith? Is this John A. Smith? Is this Coca-Cola? Is it the Coca-Cola company? Is it Coke, right? You can teach a machine to know that Coca-Cola and the Coca-Cola company and Coke are the same thing. its It's easier to teach it that than to have it figure it out. And those kind of integrations have been going on as long as people took two sets of data and tried to jam it into the same table, but it's gotta happen at scale.
0: Walker, maybe you could um, bookmark this thought and this would make a great whiteboard video because I I do want to understand more, but perhaps maybe we should bring it back to, you were talking about the differences between IIoT, the unified namespace and master data and how those two play together.
2: Here's my- uh, So the unified,
1: Oh, sorry.
2: Yeah, the unified namespace, the fundamental difference between master data and unified namespace is that master data is generally managed by a single application. Um, the master data, the software layer that sits on top of the, the database that contains all the master data and whether that database is, you know, SQL, NoSQL, however it is, that's generally a single software layer. The, it, well, it's not generally, it is. You don't have multiple applications managing that data model. Yeah. Um, right, go ahead.
1: You right. can So within an enterprise, you can have 20 ERPs, and they all think they've got the master data for that region, right? And then you try and pull it together. Mm. But on the flip side, you can have thousands of retailers and manufacturers working off the same data pool in terms of standard product data. So I feel like that the namespace is, if I take it literally, a space to put the names. (laughs) That's too literal. But the name itself, the content itself, that is what I, that's my world, just the content. Not how it gets there, not how, what system it's in, not even how it's accessed. It's the, it's the idea that you got to have that good content. Otherwise, actually all that other stuff doesn't matter. So in so your video, IoT video, when you talked about, okay, here's a sensor, here's a, fa- here's, a, um, here's a widget maker, here's a machine, it's got an ID, bingo, that ID, that's master data. Managing that ID is master data management. Sharing that ID across an ecosystem that's built around industrial internet of things, I feel like that's a namespace. Tell me where I'm getting this wrong because I'm got just it. learning this. But
0: no, That makes sense.
1: No, you, no you,
2: you've got it. You've got it. The difference is is that all of the, all of the nodes in the ecosystem, so that's software, that's people, that's uh, applications, that's sensors, that's um, hardware, all of those nodes are both producers and subscribers of data. Okay. And they all have a, and they all have a place within the namespace to put their
1: data.
0: So master data cool. is, yeah, is yeah. the data it not, itself?
1: Is the data itself. It's the content itself. It's like a lie. If you were talking about a library that everybody brought their own books to to make it like, you know, legacy tangible here. <laughs> it feels like I put my book over there. Anybody can read my book. It sits in the reference area so nobody else can take it away. But I brought that book. You got the Dewey Decimal System. I put it in the book space. But the book itself, that's the content. So
0: Yeah, IOT is just the access layer. Sorry. It's, it's enabling master data to flow throughout the inter- enterprise. I think this has yeah. been a great podcast so I, far. I had,
1: a little, I had a little bit here. So this is why I'm still looking. So I know that the IOT isn't all figured out, right? And so if you look at identification, this is a warning for us all. If you look at identification in the IOT and you spell it out, you get, you, you get this. <laughs> <laughs> so- we got to work on this here. Walker, you got to work on it. We all got to work on Make sure everybody's smart. We don't go this way. But in all seriousness, it's like the IOT, right? Everything has an ID, has a category, what kind of thing it is, has an owner who actually has multiple relationships, who owned it, who bought it, who serviced it, who's, who's licensing the value it's creating. Right? So if I have service as a service, torque as a service, wind as a service, all those kinds of things. I have a lot of multiple parties attached to that one ID with different relationships, and it needs to have some sort of geography, so I easily walk myself into the four C's, right? Code, company, category, country, but all that, and that data absolutely walker to your vision. It's gotta be shared. My one line business requirement for the IoT is everything needs to connect to everything else when it should, right? That should part adds security. It adds validation. It adds authenticity. Everything shouldn't connect to everything else all the time, no matter what, right? So it has to have that capability. And what's needed for that to happen is authentic identity. I know it's okay to connect to that thing it's, it's, it's validated and some sort of common data structure. So people don't have to make that decision. A machine can make that decision. So someone had asked us on LinkedIn earlier today, he had asked me the
2: question we were talking about IOT and he said, are you saying that everything in the, in the manufacturing space will eventually be smart? Are you saying that I'm never, that a sensor is never going to be just a sensor? That was the question he asked right oh, yeah. but just a dumb sensor that sends an electrical signal. And my answer is, yes, you you will not have a sensor that is just a sensor. Everything in the manufacturing space is going to be smart and 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 anyone who and, and I and when I say everything, I mean everything the the, the keyboard on your PC is going to be IIoT ready. We're going to be publishing every keystroke into the namespace. I mean, Everything will be smart. And the reason why is because there's value and little cost to that. That cost is gonna to continue to grow and the uh, shrink and the value is gonna to continue to increase. And so I say, listen, everything is going to be smart. And so when I, look at, when I look at the way that we currently capture data, all of the reasons why the biggest challenge in digital transformation is reconciliation of data
1: sure I, so, I, I would say that she, that that that's uh yes i'll give you a quick absolutely yes it's 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 it, it, it keeps it, things it, from happening
2: yeah it, exactly it's being able to connect this this master data with this master data with it, when they're all related but you have to make the physical connections to tell some either new master data layer that you know, this is how these models are all constructed and therefore you're going to reconcile them using this algorithm. However, the biggest challenge you have is reconciliation of data yeah, within yeah. the manufacturing enterprise. It's and just, you solve that- Way beyond
1: manufacturing. Pick, pick a yeah. business, any business. Com- Let's just limit it. Let's just limit it to commerce. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on earth. yeah. And that's where the problem is. It's only commerce and it's only on earth. After that, anything else is- Okay. Well, soon
0: to be intergalactic, so but uh, guys, we I couldn't are. think of a, I could not think of a better kind of place to end this podcast. But if there's any, <laughs> no, I'm serious. If, like I feel like we just kind of you know went full circle and. Uh,
1: it went way too fast, here, guy. I got like 19 other things. Yeah, to talk about this was wonderful. This was. If really there's fun. any like yeah. final
0: closing notes, I, I mean, you guys already really had good closing notes, but like, let's get them out now, and then I'm gonna wrap it up.
2: Well, what I would say is, I would love to do this again. With Scott on. And I would love to do it again. And, um, and except next time we pick one topic to discuss, because one of the things that I learned in this conversation is that there's, um, we get we can go very deep and we should. In fact, I there, the people who will watch this, this will resonate with the people who, uh, you know, we have some viewers who are they want us to get way deep into the nuts and bolts. This conversation is gonna resonate with those those people, right? There are some people who want us to just stick to theory, high level, 10K view, you know, strategy, that kind of thing. This is not gonna resonate with those people. Um, it's, it, cause it, it, it go, we go kind of deep into turn, to what the long-term implications are and, and but I would like us I to- I keep pulling the strategy, way. guys. I keep pulling in pull. That's right. <laughs> And it's my fault that we went deep, but I, there these were thing questions that I I really wanted to ask and get out there. But I would love to do this again, and have Scott pick the pick the topic, and then we we do the podcast based on his recommendation on what we should cover. So
1: Scott, do you have I, I would love you know Zach. What we discovered, each- I think I discovered you. You had this great like top you know seven LinkedIn. I've been doing all kinds of videos as you've seen. I've been watching folks like you it was nice kind of as validation i know i'm going off topic here but i'm giving you some you know um to see like a lot of the people you listed were people i'm kind of following so that gave me a sense and we connected and then you said iot and then walker and it's like oh yeah we're actually in the same space that's cool but i'd Mm -hmm. love to do this in case you can't tell i love talking about this stuff and um i can't i don't think people can know enough about it and again, you know, why do people hire me? They hire me to help them reinforce the strategic value of proper data management. You get that done, you can do a lot of other things. Mm. And I don't go into some of the other, I don't go into analytics, for instance, because it gets enough attention. It's, Uh you know, it's, it's, it's the bright, shiny one, but the data that goes into it, that's why I'm growing the flour. I'm not baking the bread. Mm -hmm. to go back
0: Scott where can people (laughs) reach you if they want to learn more about master data
1: they can can reach me on LinkedIn take a look at my profile also I'm representing here at dataversity gotta love them they're a media site I work with they run my stuff they run my uh videos as data rants and I just signed with them to do a training course that'll come out whenever we get to doing the training course um but uh LinkedIn is a really good place to start And I've got a YouTube channel. Just look for, if you Google the Data Whisperer, I don't come up up on the first page of text, but I come up on the first page of like videos and images. So look for me there.
0: Awesome. We'll link it down below, guys. So guys, go give Scott a follow if you guys are listening this far. You guys obviously have gotten value out of this. And if you did, uh, we'd also appreciate a review on iTunes if you're listening to this as a podcast or hit that thumbs up if you're listening on YouTube. And uh, it'll help this content get out to more people Uh, So, we can help change the industry. Gentlemen, thank you.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks, Zach. Thanks. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate it, man. Absolutely. See you guys. Peace.